Hi, this is Gabby. Welcome to the final episode of season one of the My Possible Self podcast. Wow, what a season it has been. And first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the lovely feedback. If you were one of those that left us a review on the App Store, I truly, truly appreciate it. And I'm really glad that we're helping you learn more about the topics on and around mental health and well-being because it is so important. I have learned a bunch from working on the last 27 episodes and the learning continues today. We're closing out season one, perhaps with a slight curveball as we're talking about something way bigger than what can be seen or in fact diagnosed. Faith and spirituality comes into play in this discussion, yes. But it's more about feelings, why it's so important to express and not suppress. Understanding that feelings aren't facts, so important too. And sometimes when we're trying so desperately to control the situation, that can cause us such great suffering. What we're going to be looking at today is what would happen if we let go, if we just trust in the universe, trust in something bigger than us and surrendered to what is and what cannot be changed. Perhaps this will fast track us down the path to peace of mind. And really, who doesn't want that as their end goal? So joining me today is international speaker and best-selling author, Cute Blackson, a transformational teacher offering a fresh, bold perspective on spiritual awareness. His most recent book is called The Magic of Surrender, a guide to move you past your inner struggles to discover the power of letting go of control and how letting go ultimately leads to more. Let's proceed with the episode. Okay, here we go. I'm surrendering to whatever's going to happen. For the next however long I've got you for. I'm not even going to put a time frame on it. Cool. As you can tell, I've read your book. So um, welcome to the My Possible Self podcast. Coop Blackson, when I was thinking about like we are uh, a leading mental health app based out of the UK, um, although we're, we're available globally, and um, the podcast series has been part of the app to help support people on their mental health and wellness journey. So after reading your, your book and sort of thinking about, okay, well, this is closing series one of the podcast, it actually does kind of come together beautifully in terms of when I think about looking at it through the lens of mental health, something that you say early on in the book is about dispelling the negative beliefs and the messages that we surround ourselves by. And um, actually, before we, we, we start there, in your own words, how would you define the word surrender and why do we need to do it? Sure. <laughs> Let's start off with... The small question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think in our culture, surrender, there's so many misconceptions about surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many myths about surrender, illusions, misunderstandings, misinterpretations. And so there's this myth, I think, that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that if you surrender, you're going to be a victim, you're not going to manifest your goals, dreams and desires, that it's waving the white flag, that mm-hmm. it's giving up, that 
you're going to be a doormat that you're going to be taking advantage of that it means just sitting there doing nothing and being passive or going to the Himalayas and giving up all possessions and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like it's, it's not very exciting the way we have uh, framed surrender up until now and yeah. so one of the things I wanted to do was reframe surrender and really give people an inspirational uh, paradigm of what surrender is I believe that surrender was the most powerful thing that we can do true surrender authentic surrender was the key to peace is the key to freedom is the key to fulfillment is the key to happiness and so you know what I'm really saying is if you surrender what if you didn't get less, but you got more, more joy, more, more than you could even imagine or plan for yourself. And so mm-hmm. if we kind of break it down a bit, surrender is to let go of control. You know, control is the master addiction that affects our mental health, that affects our state of peace, that affects our anxiety levels, stress levels, you know, uh, frustration levels. And mm-hmm. so letting go of control, or I should say letting go of the idea or the illusion of control because i think in so many ways control is an illusion i think in the last couple of years for the most part we we, we thought we were in control pre-pandemic and then you know covid hit and then mm-hmm. all hell mm-hmm. broke loose and i think as human beings as a as, as a global species we started to realize maybe i'm not in as much control as i thought and, and so surrender is to let go of this illusion of control mm-hmm. and maybe focus more on what we do have control over rather than what we don't have control over surrender is to stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit into our limited concept of how we think it should look and how we think it should be trying to make something that really isn't into something that we have in our minds which Mm -hmm. is a recipe for suffering and frustration Mm -hmm. and stress Mm -hmm. surrender is to let go of the kind of preconceived idea of who we think we should be mm. uh, based on society and family and media and, you know, advertising. Surrender is to let go of the idea of how we think our life should be. Well, I should be here at this age and I should have achieved this at this stage of my life and then age 30 and age 40. It's right. to let that go so that we can truly allow the, I'll say it this way, the life that is seeking to unfold. The mm-hmm. life that is truly authentically ours, not someone else's, not our parents, not societies, but our own authentic life, our own authentic expression, so that we can allow that to reveal itself and mm-hmm. be made manifest. And so I think surrender is when you take the limits off of life and you are truly just open, open and available to life, open and available to life showing you open and available to letting life lead you letting life show you and i think when we truly surrender we don't put limits on life we're we're available we're open that's Mm. when i think we tap into another sense of dimension of infinite possibilities you know that's Mm. when magic Mm. happens and so that's why i call the book the magic, magic of surrender, surrender. yeah mm. magic not in some like hocus pocus like you know harry potter magic the magic in the sense of that which is beyond our logic that which is beyond our egos identities minds capacity to project and manifest and make life happen what's beyond that what's what's more than that and so magic is is the sense of like possibilities that are beyond what we can even imagine for ourselves and i think when we truly open to that that's when we we tap into living a a truly magnificent life beyond what we could even think if you look at 
when I say the great ones, you know, to me, the great ones weren't any, anything special. G, Buddha, uh, Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee, mm -hmm. Gandhi, Mandela, Mother Teresa. To me, they were human beings that mm -hmm. all surrendered themselves. Elon Musk even, you know, people might think Elon Musk surrendered. This, this guy made, was it $180, $90 million through PayPal, got a vision, got a vision to start Tesla and SpaceX and literally invested all of his money. He surrendered to a calling. He surrendered to a deeper truth. He surrendered to his authentic impulse, what, what mm -hmm. was moving him. And so, you know, surrender can be applied in any realm of life. And so, you know, mm -hmm. the great ones to me weren't anything special. They just showed us the possibility for what we can all be. And they all at some point surrendered themselves. And that's when they tapped into uh, another dimension of their potential. And that's when they tapped into grace. And that's when that's when life began to flow. And so surrender is to live in the flow. Surrender is to live in alignment with that flow. And so mm. that's just kind of a little, shall we say, frame of surrender. Right. I mean, it sounds amazing, but I think uh, putting myself in the position <laughs> of lots of listeners, especially those that are maybe struggling with their mental health, I think there's a lot of fear and resistance sure, and that's why sure. going back to your word of control, people are yes. like trying to claw on to try and control what they can because probably they're feeling out of control. And that actually goes back to what I was saying earlier, which I loved you saying about letting go of old stories that have defined who we think we are. Yes. It's just it's easier it's said scary. than done. Yeah. Well, well, yes. It, 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 on one level, I do want to acknowledge that it can seem scary mm -hmm. and it can seem difficult. And we often say, oh, surrender is so hard. It's so, on one level, of course, I understand. I want to acknowledge that. Yeah, it, 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 it can seem hard. Mm -hmm. But what I also want to frame just as a possibility, because I think when we keep telling ourselves how hard it is, we're also not available and it becomes hard. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because that's what we're focusing on. I actually want to invite people into a different way of looking at it. And I want to actually flip it upside down and say, well, no, actually surrender is easy and it's natural. Like what? Surrender is easy mm -hmm. and it's, it's harder to resist. It's harder to yeah. try to control every little thing, to control the government, to control the media, to control how people perceive us, to control what people think about. We don't have control over this, to control how we're perceived, to, to betray ourselves, to resist, to suppress our feelings. This is actually harder and this is what is causing us suffering. We just don't know it. And we've just become so, so accustomed and used to doing it a certain way, mm. being who we've been conditioned to be, that what we've been doing seems normal and surrender seems harder. It's like for those listening on audio, I'm making a fist, mm -hmm. I'm holding a pen. Mm -hmm. Imagine we hold this pen together. We hold this pen. I'm, I'm, I'm like clenching my fist, holding this pen. And imagine this is the version of ourselves that we've become. It, it, it's tight. It's, it's tiring. But over life, 10, 20, 30 years, clenching your fist kind of becomes normal. And even though it's tiring and it's difficult, it, we get used to it. We get yeah. used to being this way, doing life this way, controlling, and, and we get so used to it that it starts feeling normal, but it's not. And so I'm actually saying it's harder to resist. It's actually more natural. It's the natural way of life to surrender. Like, how hard is it to just let go? <laughs> you know, really letting yeah. go is, is, is actually easier. We've just been conditioned 
from yeah. childhood to control. The, yeah. the process of control starts from a very young age. Yeah. You know, we're born as uh, free beings with these sort of, as children, we're born in touch with our essence, in touch with our light. As kids, we're not trying to like control everything. Mm-hmm. We're going with the flow. We're full of curiosity. We're available. We're open. We're innocent. We're not projecting into the future. We're not wondering. And, but we start getting conditioned. You know, we're, we're in touch with our essential nature. And that's why children, for the most part, before the conditioning really sets in, mm. they're in bliss. We're in bliss. We're full of giggles and joy and aliveness and wide eyes. And then what the hell happens? We start losing that. So what happens is we're born into a framework of conditioning, a framework, a family system mm. based on an ancestral conditioning, ancestral karma, ancestral beliefs, societal beliefs. Mm. We meet our parents who are just doing the best that they can do based on their childhood and their parents and life, and they have their own traumas. And so now we're born into a kind of framework of dysfunction to a degree. Maybe dad is an alcoholic. Maybe mom has mental health issues. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe mm-hmm. there's divorce. Maybe they're not around. Maybe they just are good people, but they don't know how to meet our emotional needs in a sense. And so mm-hmm. as children, two things happen that begins to create this pattern of control. And this is what we learn from a very young age. The first thing is we start learning a, a sort of defense mechanism to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain of what's going on around us. And so mm-hmm. we start to erect walls and defense mechanisms so that we don't have to feel that, wow, mom's not around or dad's not emotionally available or they're fighting all the time and too painful. And we start erecting walls in our hearts, suppressing feelings, suppressing emotions, suppressing feelings, suppressing emotions, which then begins to cover up our joy, cover up our sense of aliveness, our sense of who we are. And before you know it, our sense of joy, aliveness, innocence gets sort of covered up under the mountain of defense mechanisms to protect ourselves and unfelt uh, feelings. So that's the Mm -hmm. first thing. And, And this is a form of control. It's often it's unconscious, but that that pattern of control is a survival mechanism that we learn. Then we start going into the world to the sense of we start developing all sorts of roles and masks and personas, a way of being, the sense of like, who do I need to be in order for daddy to love me? Who do I need to be in order to fit in? Who do I need to be in order to be loved, loved, validated and approved by the world? And we start to contort ourselves mm. into a certain shape in order mm-hmm. to get love and validation and approval. So avoiding the pain and, you know, form of controlling my feelings so I can avoid the pain, controlling how I'm perceived by the world so that you love me, dad loves me, those around me love me. And so we start to, to contort ourselves into a shape, becoming a person that we think we need to be that gets reinforced by the world. We hold so tightly to that way of being control as a way of functioning and we end up thinking this is who we are we end Mm. up thinking this is who we are and it takes so much energy it takes so much energy to keep this pattern structure of who we have been conditioned to be become Mm. to avoid pain and get love it takes so much energy Mm -hmm. to hold that together yeah that is suffering you know that is suffering but we've just become used to it and so it can seem scary to let that go it can seem Mm. scary to loosen and let go of some of the ways of being and patterns that we have been conditioned to be to function and survive you know Mm. but the degree to which we're conditioned 
is the degree to which we're not free. Mm. The degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free, and often we're not aware that we've been conditioned. And so I just want people to kind of understand that there's less freedom, you know, and it's harder to stay stuck ultimately in the pattern of conditioning. It's just that we become used mm -hmm. to it. You know? mm. And so we don't, we tend not to question ourselves. We don't, we tend not to question, is there another way? We mm. tend not to question. And so surrender can seem scary because it means letting go of that way of being. Mm. It can feel like a death on some level to our perceived sense of self. But I think when we can start to question ourse ourselves and go, huh, maybe I'm not who I think I am. You know, maybe who I've become and how I've learned to be isn't really authentic. But then, then who am I? And what do I believe? And what is my truth? And who would I be if I didn't need to be who I thought I needed to be all the time? And what would I say if I didn't need to say what I thought I needed to say all the time? And so mm -hmm. I think part of it is the willingness to just begin by questioning oneself, questioning mm -hmm. one's behavior, questioning one's truth. That can begin a process. And going back to what you were saying about perception, perception of oneself, but also I think perception of what's going on around us, there's a brilliant story of you in a train station in India yeah. when, uh, was it, is it Amir was the, the gentleman you were speaking to who said heaven or hell is inside your mind? Oh, and I yeah. was like, goodness me, that is very profound. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, again, for people that are re suffering with serious mental health problems, they yeah. might, you know, need medication. So that's that's yes. a little bit more grey. But then there yes. are so, so many of us that are struggling and it, things are taking a toll <clears throat> on our mental health. And it's because of what's going on in the world or, you know, everybody gets spouts of anxiety and depression. And yeah. I think that's where that line, heaven or hell is inside your mind, is such a sort of great opportunity to pause and reflect and go, okay, this is what I'm seeing and believing, but is this is this really is this what real? I'm seeing? Yeah, is this real? Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's, 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 it's like, you know, you mentioned, well, it's because of what's going on in the world. I'm going to say something that might be a little challenging, Okay. in a certain sense you know i'm not saying it's the reality but i think if we want to be free there has to be a willingness to um shall we say take ownership and responsibility um I, it, it, it's not necessarily because of what's going on in the world or outside or because what someone else does mm. even though it seems that way mm -hmm. uh, and i think if we hold that position we will always be a victim to the world. We will always be at the effect of the world and what someone does, which will affect how we feel, which will affect our mental health, which will affect our mood, which will affect them. And to be honest, it's natural, we're human. It's, it's, there's so much shit that is going on in the world that yeah. it, it's a miracle that we can even function as human beings, you know? And, and so I think it takes a, a real commitment and a real courage to say, you know what, I'm going to take my power back and I'm not going to just let the world determine how I'm going to feel, my mood, my state of mind. And so, so much too of how we feel is not just because of what's happening, but because of how we perceive and how we choose to interpret what's happening and the meaning that we give events mm. that are happening in the world. Mm. And so there's what's happening but how we choose to see it 
and how we choose to interpret it and the meaning that we choose to give that event mm-hmm. is actually what determines our internal experience. You know, and that's why I think two people can go through a situation and like a Mandela, right? You know, Mandela goes 26 years in prison, 27 years in prison. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could cope, to be honest. I mean, I wrote a book about surrender. That's mm-hmm. an experience I'd rather not have. I mean, I don't know if I could make it through 26 years. But here's a guy who made it through and didn't let his environment determine who he was going to be and how he was going to feel. And I think mm-hmm. that is a profound freedom. And so it's not the events that determine how we feel, even though typically that's how we have been conditioned to uh, relate to life. It's mm. the meaning that we choose to give events, the way we choose to interpret events that determine our internal experience. And I think when we own that power, when we give that power away, mm. we are at the effect and we are slaves. When we reclaim that power which takes a tremendous amount of courage because sometimes we look at the events and you know we're kind of justified to feel how we feel but 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 that doesn't necessarily equal freedom and so i always ask my clients you want to be right or you want to be free Mm. you know you want to be justified or do you want to be free and i think in the world the way the world is with the challenges of the world because it is incredibly challenging to be human Mm. you know there's war there's crime, there's heartbreak, there's betrayal, there's disease, there's crazy people, there's mean people, there's abusive. I mean, all of that is real. It exists. It's true. Mm. And some of us go through some shit that is not, it's not fair. To yeah. be honest, it's not fair. Some of it is not fair. And we have to acknowledge it. It's like, it's not okay. And with all that said, I think the real surrender and the real freedom yeah. comes in the process of saying, Am I going to be at the effect of life? Am I going to be at the effect of this person? Am I going to be at the effect of my parents? Am I, or am I going to take my power back and be a, and that requires a level of surrender. It might require surrendering a story. It might require surrendering a way we've been seeing life. It might requ- require surrendering an identity. It might yeah. re- require surrendering a belief system. Like for instance, I had a client, I forget if I write about this in the book, but I had a client who kept holding on to this way of seeing herself as, I'm unlovable, you know, I'm unlovable. I'm this is in lovable. the book, yeah. Uh, is, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm unlovable. I've written so much in the book that I forget what's this in my own book. This is in your book, yeah. yeah. But she says, I'm, I'm unlovable, I'm not lovable, nobody loves me, nobody. And this was her entire story, her entire life, mm. and she kept attracting men that didn't really love her, didn't really commit to her, didn't really see her, and this was proof, see, I'm not lovable because look at who I'm attracting. Guys leave, guys cheat, guys don't treat me well. I'm not lovable. Friends don't honor me. Friends don't respect me. I'm unlovable. And this was her entire story. Mm. And many times we don't realize that sometimes we get we get addicted or we even get comfortable with the stories that we have told ourselves, which may not be positive, but, but we just become comfortable in that identity. Yeah. And it affects us. And so I questioned her and I said, is it true that you're not lovable? Is it, is it true? She said, yes, it's true. <laughs> and, I, and I said, well, how do you know? She said, because look at, look at everything that is in my life. Look at what I'm attracting. Look, just all of this is proof. And she says, I know this is true because when I was eight years old, my mother left me. And that's proof. And I said to her, can you show me unlovable? Like, here's a phone. Here's a pen. Here's a, you know, here's a piece of, like, show me unlovable. Because she was saying it like it's fact. Yeah. And we often don't realize 
that so many of the stories and belief systems that we are either consciously or unconsciously holding in our awareness is severely affecting how we feel about ourselves, yeah. our mood, our state of being, our state of feeling, our mental health. But we don't realize that the way we are framing things, the way we are holding things is, is what's affecting us. And so she was holding this perception about herself as reality, like it was fact, I'm not lovable. Mm. And many times we're holding beliefs and stories about ourselves as though they're fact. Yes. But they're not really fact. They're just stories and interpretations we made up about certain events that happened to try to make meaning of the world. And so she said, I also know that I'm unlovable because when I was age eight, my mother left, left me with my father. And if I was truly lovable, she wouldn't have left. She left because basically I was not lovable. And if I was more lovable, she would have stayed. And this was the entire interpretation based on that event that she made up. And so I questioned and I said, could it mean anything else? Could that event have meant anything else? There was a mm -hmm. meaning she assigned that event that was affecting her health today, affecting her mental health, her emotional state. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, could that moment, could that event have meant anything else? No. <laughs> so we kept questioning, we kept questioning. Eventually she realized, well, I guess it could have meant something else. You know, the fact that her mother left could have meant her mother was crazy. The fact that her mother left could have meant her mother loved her so much that she knew she wasn't capable of taking care of her. You know, it, and, and so we were able to come up with so many other possible interpretations of reality. So yeah. what we have to just really understand is the willingness to question the way we are perceiving reality. The way we are perceiving reality is not reality. It's an interpretation of reality. Mm -hmm. When we're willing to surrender and question ourselves, question our beliefs, question the way we have interpreted reality, mm -hmm. it can change our relationship to world events. Mm -hmm. And so we're either going to let events determine how we feel and be the effect of them, or we're going to take our power back and say, wait a second, events happen. Yeah. I can't control events happen. Wars happen. Events happen. People do crazy stuff. People do mean things. I can't control that, but I can control how I choose to interpret it and the meaning I choose to give it and how I choose to respond. That is what we are in control over. That can provide a degree of freedom. If there's a situation where we desperately want the outcome to be X, Y, Z, maybe it's a new job, maybe yes, it's yes. paying the bills, whatever it is. And again, it goes back to that control and we're kind of willing, but then also... Um, and I can only speak for myself, but I imagine this is a lot of people too, like you're really desperate for something to happen, but there's yes. also that niggling negativity coming in. It's lurking in the background saying this is too good to be true, so it's not going to happen to you. And But you're also going, oh, I don't know the results yet, but please, can this be okay or whatever and there's so much like conflict going on there it's a recipe for suffering it, it's and, and then again this is where surrender works its magic because it's what will be will be and is supposed to be but again how do we do it so so i think what we have to do is is feel because i think when we feel pain right a level of pain a level of <gasps> clenching anxiety stress to me that that is usually it's a gift actually because I think in many ways, it's, a, it's showing us where we're holding on. Hmm. It's showing us where we're clenching. It's showing us where we're like, 
pushing, forcing, attaching. And so yeah. it's okay to want something. It's okay to want to go. It's okay to go for it 100%. It's the attachment, the clenching, that desperation. It's that attachment that is limiting. It's that attachment that causes suffering. It's that attachment like this has to be, this has to, this person has to be the one. This person has to be the one. Uh, let's, 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 let's pick an example. How often, like maybe we can pick a real example. I've been through this situation. I'm not sure if you have or the listeners have. If you think back into your life where you met someone and you fell madly in love mm -hmm. and you were like, I met the person. You told all your friends, I met, the, I'm mm -hmm. going to have kids. But I met the person. I've waited my whole life, my dream person. You couldn't imagine being with anyone else. You were so madly in love. Like it, this was it. The light bulbs went off and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. You were heartbroken. Mm -hmm. You were devastated. You laid in bed for God knows how long, you know, you were depressed. You just never thought you'd find love again. You were mad at the world, mad at God. You were like truly depressed. But, you know, you got over it. Like we kind of do as human beings. We are, as human beings, we are more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. We are resilient. There is a spirit inside of us, an essence inside of us that is unbreakable mm -hmm. at the core. Mm -hmm. And so you got over it. And now maybe in 2022, you look back and you think to that relationship that you so wanted. You were so desperate wanting it to happen that today you think back and go. What was I thinking? Thank, what was that? Thank God. It, thank God. Like, thank God it didn't even happen. Thank yeah. God, Like, you couldn't even believe. Like, what was I thinking? Thank God. Yeah. And, and so sometimes what we have to realize is we so want something to be. But forcing and wanting something to be that isn't truly for your highest doesn't make it right, only yeah. causes suffering. Yeah. We so want certain things to be that, that trying to force something to be that isn't doesn't make it truly yours. Mm. And when we force and when we hold on to something that really isn't aligned and we try mm. to fit something into a box that truly isn't, mm. this is the recipe for suffering. You know, mm -hmm. this is the recipe for true suffering and anxiety because we're always going to have to be holding on. And so I think when you surrender, surrender requires a level of trust, you know. And so when sometimes things don't happen, we also have to realize that it's sometimes a blessing. It's often grace. It's often the love of the universe. But from the mind's perspective, from the ego's perspective, we're often not able to see the entire tapestry from right. our perspective now oh it didn't happen it's the worst thing mm. but sometimes the how often have have things not gone according to plan mm. but it ended up working out better than you could have imagined yeah. maybe not in the moment maybe yeah. not in the moment but down the road you look back and go oh that's why i needed to get fired from my job oh that's why that project needed to not happen because yes. if that didn't happen i wouldn't have you wouldn't know got, got, i wouldn't have gone to the unemployment line and i wouldn't have met my soulmate in the park on the way back you know right. and so so in this moment i think we have to me surrender is the willingness to be open so when things don't happen or things don't flow or things that when you when you give 100 percent and it doesn't happen mm. it, it, it doesn't mean it won't happen but what we tend to do is we collapse we feel dejected we start stressing out i'm actually saying when things don't happen don't be so quick to assign a meaning to what that is it means mm. i'm not enough it means it's failed it means god doesn't love me it means it doesn't mean anything instead surrender means 
Give everything you've got. And if it doesn't go according to plan, don't stress. Don't stress. Step back and get curious. Get mm. curious. Because when we're curious, we're available. So when something isn't quite unfolding, we're like, what could this mean? What could, what, what could this mean? I, I don't know. See, we don't have to know what it means. But when we're open, we're available to finding out. When we're open, we're available to life showing us. And I believe, and what I've seen, is many times in the moments when we're going through something, we're not always aware of why we're going through something. But I really believe that when we're truly available and when we're truly open, life tends to work out not only better than we can imagine, but I have a belief. And this is a belief that I think might help people. It's a belief, it's a paradigm, that the universe is always working for my highest good, even if I can't see it right now. The universe is always working for my highest good, even if I can't see it right now. And so when you really like trust life a bit more, then you don't have to stress. That means if this thing I desperately want isn't happening, it must be for a reason. Mm. And it must be that the universe is working something better for me right now. I, I don't see it, but get curious to me that availability you know there's an old story um i'm gonna butcher the story but you'll get the gist of it there's an there's an old story of a guy who i forget his name because i saw it on the news a guy who was running late a bit late to go to the airport he got into a taxi the taxi was late taxi took him on a detour and the taxi driver was a bit of a jerk and so they were running around and he was like hurry up hurry up and he was going here and going there and the taxi driver got a little pissed off and now they got a little later a little later a little later and he's so frustrated frustrated at the taxi driver for you know not knowing his way around new york around town you know i think i forget where it was boston or something he didn't know his way around to get to the airport finally got to the airport they don't let him check in he misses the plane. Late. He's he misses the plane. Mm. He's frustrated. He's mad. He's you know he's he just can't believe it. He's in a bad mood. Turns out his plane was one of the planes that flew into the twin towers <gasps> in New York, 9/11. He would have been on that plane wow. that crashed and died. So we say, well, huh? What if he had forced himself to get on that plane? What if he had forced? So sometimes when we force and we get attached and sometimes we can force things to happen we mm -hmm. force relationships to be we don't realize that we are limiting life we mm -hmm. put limits on life in that moment and so what if he had forced to get on that plane somehow mm -hmm. he would have got on that plane and he would have been dead and so look at mandela should he have not spent 27 years in prison well, should he have not spent 20? Now, I don't wish that on anyone. Right. But but chances are, had he not spent that time in prison, two things, the collective consciousness of the people and the world and the support of the world and people on the planet would not have aligned behind him in a certain way in South Africa and the world. Mm -hmm. But also, perhaps those 27 years is what it took for his personality to align with his soul, for him to really think meditate and, and and vision and and forgive and and deepen his soul force in such mm -hmm. a way that he would be ready to come out and in the time he the rest of the time he was alive to have such a profound impact on humanity that even now when he's dead his impact and his inspiration is still impacting people mm -hmm. so should he have not spent 27 years in prison it's like 
no, I mean, likely there was, there's a reason. And so I think we have to trust that there's a reason. Mindfulness and meditation. What do you practice in that respect? Like, do you have a, a morning routine? Do you, you know, practice <laughs> gratitude? Like, I'm sure you have got some interesting stuff to yeah. say in terms of like mindfulness meditation for mental health. To be honest, it's, it, it's quite simple. Um, I think for me, one thing that helps my mental health is I exercise every morning without fear. Sounds ah, simple. Is that a non-negotiable? Non-negotiable. It's not a ch- I make it a choice to not be a choice because no matter how I'm feeling, mm. I remember my mother died, you know, challenges with COVID, this, that, what have you. Over the years, I have never missed a, a, a workout, a run, an exercise session, unless mm. I was traveling, you know? Mm. And so even if I'm feeling not so great today or you know mind is racing because of stuff i'm dealing with there's something about the foundation of just that physical exercise that allows me to process my feelings allows me to release excess energy allows me to release the energy of the mind because sometimes the unprocessed feelings go into the mind and the mind goes crazy and we think it's our thoughts but it's the feelings that are going crazy in terms of the, the thoughts right and so it sounds so simple but like You'll change your life if you just exercise regularly, daily. For me, it's daily, moving, sweating for an hour a day, mm. roughly. Doesn't have to be crazy, but just the consistency of that. When I'm done exercising, I feel great. Mm-hmm. Exercise this morning. I feel wonderful. And that just sets a base to the day. And I can think straight. Then, yes, for me, meditation has been important. Um, and that meditation is simple. I think meditation is different from mindfulness. Mindfulness is the practice of of being aware moment to moment in life. Mm. The, the, the process of living life with awareness, with mindfulness, moment to moment, being fully present each moment and things like that. You know, uh, I try to observe my breath uh, and just kind of connect to my breath. Uh, one thing that also helps is breathing in through the nose for about five to six seconds, holding it for about five to six seconds, exhaling about five to six seconds. Mm -hmm. That really affects some of the brain waves, brings you into a really profound state of calm. Do that six times. So six, 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 six times for me is is a very simple thing that uh, brings me into a level of calm Mm -hmm. as needed. Mm -hmm. Calm on demand, basically, as needed. But meditation is something that I've done that I think is, is also a game changer. I and mean, that could, we could do a whole nother podcast on that, but I yeah. tried to meditate, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day. Yeah, there was a period of my life where in my early 20s, when, when basically I was broke, had nothing to do, kind of unemployed, and I was meditating about five, six hours a day. Uh, oh, literally. Wow. Sounds crazy, but honestly, I didn't have much to do. So I was like, <laughs> meditate two hours in the morning, three, four hours at night. It was great. It was free, uh, but but I, I still feel the sort of accumulated uh, roots of that meditation, you know, uh, years later in my life. And so, to me, the way I meditate is I just sit, close my eyes, and allow my awareness to just drop down. It's an effortless meditation, you know. In order for an experiencer to exist, there has to be an object, and you know, objects and experience in the relative. When I meditate, it's just dropping down beyond objects, beyond experience, beyond the process of experiencing. 
to me, then there's the ability for the mind to rest in a deeper dimension of one's being. And so uh, meditation as a process of non-doing. Why is it so hard or difficult to just do nothing? Mm. For the ego, so hard. it's very scary because just doing nothing for the ego, just for a moment, sitting and doing nothing and being effortless for the ego is terrifying because the ego's job is to reinforce itself. And one of the ways we reinforce our sense of existence is through constantly doing, mm. constantly making things happen, constantly forcing, constant drama. That's how we feel like I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. But it creates frustration, mental health issues. And so I think when we can truly meditate, it's, it's an opportunity to, it, it is a process of letting go. Yeah, it's, I was gonna say you have to surrender, right? It's a mm. process of surrender. And so I think when we can do that, it calms so much. And uh, for me, it's a way to live. I try to live my life as meditatively as possible. Mm. That life is a meditation. One of my old teachers in India said, meditation is, is not something that starts and stops. It's to live life moment to moment with awareness. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's, that's what I try to do each breath. You say our feelings are just energy, they aren't good or yes. bad, which yes. I thought was a really interesting thought. Mm. And I kind of agree, but then I also wanted to ask you, well, sometimes like if we think of our intuition, our gut feeling, our inner compass, which can be really powerful, then we're relying on the feeling that we have to kind of steer us, aren't we? So I think perhaps we have to separate so two. so yeah I, I would just you know i think that the intuition is a deeper dimension of feeling mm. is beyond just emotions sadness anger mad bad you know guilt shame i think our intuition mm. it is is that finest sensation that arises from that dimension of our being that is beyond condition that is beyond the mind that so, is beyond the personality hmm. it's, it's like it's more divine I, I, it's more divine i like i didn't i didn't think that it just huh turn left turn right hmm. go here it's like it, it it wasn't necessarily a manufactured sensation it's 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 a deeper feeling arising from the unconditioned dimension of your being to me that is intuition hmm. the challenge is in many ways, uh, it, it doesn't always happen in a loud siren bell. They can be very, 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 very subtle. And in so many ways, we're not always listening to that deeper dimension so we can miss it and we can question, like, did I really feel something? Mm -hmm. Did I really, like, oh, maybe I'm crazy, maybe. something. it feels like something's off here, something's not quite right. No, no, I'm crazy, don't worry. You know, give the person a chance. And then, sure enough, we get betrayed. Yeah. So I always tell people, when you feel that, that, that deeper sensation arising don't question you don't have to know where it's going to take you you don't have to know where it's going to lead you you don't have to know where you're going but if you feel that internal compass follow it that is surrender that is surrender mm -hmm. you will always end up in the right place the route that you take may not always be the one you expect if you follow that mm -hmm. but if you follow that i have found you will never go wrong because it's beyond your mind, it's beyond your personality, it's beyond your ego, it's beyond your identity, and that's intuition. It's, mm. it's in sync with life. It's in sync. And the more we follow it, even in small ways, 
the more our access to it grows. Like if we look at some of the most incredible things that have happened in our lives, let's look at it for a second. Did we plan it? Chances are no. You right. know, meeting the love of your life. Did you say, yeah, on, on Friday evening, I'm going to go down to the pub. I'm going to go to uh, the restaurant. And at 6, we're going to go to Starbucks, 6 p.m. I'm going to meet the love of my life. It, it just happens, you know, yeah. in the process of the best things in life tend to be what we are not planning. And so, so intuition is, is mm. that in terms of feelings, yes, feelings, emotions. Why do we forget so, that as well? Like the best things that happen are the surprises. We just forget these right? things. I mean, this is why right? it's great that you've written this book to remind us. But like, if we look at the best things, <laughs> that truly the best things tend to be the stuff we haven't planned. Yeah, you know, we, we yeah. did so many of the most amazing things we didn't plan. And so I think, what if we lived that way? You know, we make surrender like a last resort. All hell is broken loose. Our house is on fire. Our hair is on fire. We've got no other resort. We're like, okay, universe, I surrender. Finally, I surrender in the final minute. What I'm saying, why don't we start from that moment? I surrender. Yeah. That doesn't mean you sit there and do nothing. It doesn't mean you sit there and eat, you know, potato chips and watch TV and just say, well, I'm surrendering. No, surrender is not an abdication <clears throat> for taking responsibility. Surrender is not an abdication for taking action. Surrender is to feel this deepest impulse. So, so there's the question. Then I'll go back to your question on feelings. Mm -hmm. when we're, when we're, the old paradigm is, is, is really about asking the question, what do I want? What do I want? Know what you want. You've got to know what you want. You've got to set your goals. You've got to go for it and just like really mm -hmm. push it, right? Mm -hmm. What do I want? And sometimes you get what you thought you, you get what you wanted only to realize that what you wanted was just what you thought you wanted mm -hmm. not necessarily what you really wanted it was mm -hmm. just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were and mm -hmm. so it's limiting and so you can manifest and create a life forcing it's true but it's stressful it's frustrating it's often unfulfilling the mm -hmm. question i'm inviting people to ask themselves that it's a much more free place to be is what is it that life wants to express through what is it that the universe wants to express through what is it that, that my soul wants to express to me? And to align yourself with the deepest truth, the deepest impulse, the deepest expression of what you most authentically feel. In other words, be true to yourself authentically, your true self, be true. And then you take action, but the action is based on the truth, not what you think you should be doing or just based on ego or society but on the truth. And then you, that might mean you're taking more action. That might mean you're working harder than you've ever worked. That might mean you go out and protest for the cause you truly believe in, but you're surrendering to the truth and living in the line of the truth, mm. you know? And, and so surrender can be active sometimes. Surrender is a responsibility. Mm. Just wanted to clarify in terms of feelings. The thing that is often missing that stops people from moving into true authentic surrender, okay? We have acceptance. One level, there's different levels of surrender, but one phase of surrender is acceptance. You're, you're accepting what is. Mm. Okay, that will help your mental health to just be like, this mm. is what it is. Yes. It's raining outside. Can't do anything about it. Either I stay inside, have fun with the family, or I go outside and I dance in the rain, or I take an umbrella and we go shopping, we go to the movies, but it's raining outside. It is what it is. One of the things that creates suffering and affects one's mental health is this 
mindset. The experience that I'm having is not the experience that I should be having. I should be having some other experience than the experience that I'm having right now. Mm. Resistance, suffering, anxiety, stress, mm. forget about it. Mm. Instant suffering. Mm. The experience I'm having is not the experience I should be having. I should be having some other experience. And so acceptance is bringing yourself into relationship with what is. This is what it is. It's raining. I am what I am. My spouse is what they are. This is what it is. What is, is. Mm. That is a level on the path to surrender. But acceptance is not surrender and it's not for freedom because you can be in acceptance of something but still be like a little upset. You can be in acceptance of something like, my husband is what, he is what he is and I'm kind of mad about it, but I, he's what he is, but I'm not at peace with it, but he is what he is. So right. that's acceptance. Right. Surrender is the open-hearted. To me, this is where the freedom is, the open-hearted participation the process of what's happening it's 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 the open-hearted participation to learn to grow to evolve to roll your sleeves up so that you can learn the lesson in the experience that your soul is seeking to learn it's the open-hearted participation and so between acceptance and, sur and surrender is a phase that is missing that connects the feeling mm. to truly move into surrender this is a phase that most people miss is grieving. Most people miss the face of grieving. There is often no true, authentic surrender mm -hmm. without acknowledging and feeling the grief. Because surrender is a letting go. Surrender is a death. Surrender is a release. Surrendering, surrendering who you were surrendering an old belief system, surrendering an old addiction, mm -hmm. you know, surrendering an old way of being, mm -hmm. an old way of community, surrendering and letting go of a job that you've been in for five years that even though you know it's not right, you got comfortable and it became a part of your identity. It requires a moment of release and grieving, surrendering and letting go of a relationship that you've invested so much in, but you realize it's not going to work and you've got to let that go. And so to truly open to the new, requires a grieving of the old and allowing those feelings. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, we don't allow ourselves to grieve or feel. We don't allow ourselves to grieve because there's this feeling of, if I grieve, it's going to last forever. If I grieve, I won't be able to cope with the feeling. It's going to overwhelm me. It's going to be too much. I'm going to be stuck in it. And so what we tend to do is we deny it, we suppress yeah. it, we yeah. don't feel it, yeah. but it, we just stay stuck in that feeling and then we go into the future and we continue recreating experiences that are connected to that grief. And so grieving, we have to realize that all feelings, this is why, yes, I said feelings, feelings aren't good or bad. All feelings are just energy. All feelings are feedback. All feelings mm. are neutral. All feelings are temporary and transitory and no feelings last forever. When we really understand that every feeling has a natural cycle. Some feelings have more layers than others mm -hmm. and need to be, you know, felt in layers, but no feeling lasts forever. And all feelings that we feel fully with awareness will dissolve. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. All feelings that we feel fully with awareness will dissolve. And it's the feelings that we don't fully feel. So we distract ourselves, we drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, addict it away, shop it away, social media away. We ended up suppressing it that we don't realize that's when we don't have access to a part of ourselves and it affects how we feel. It affects our mental health because now we're carrying the mm. unprocessed feeling from that last relationship, then we go into a new relationship and now a part of our heart is not available because our heart's still broken. We haven't processed that. Now we're not fully available in the new relationship. Now the new relationship doesn't work. So we go into another, we break up. We have more feelings of heartbreak. We don't feel that. We numb that. We drink that away. Then we go into a third relationship. Now we're carrying, you know, mountains of grief and pain and frustration and resentment from two and the cycle continues, which is why relationships, as an example, keep going in cycles. And so all feelings that we feel fully dissolve. Grief, for instance, happens in layers. Sometimes there's a wave of grief and you feel that, and I'll share how to feel that, but sometimes you feel that feeling. And the layer dissolves. Maybe there's tears, maybe there's sensations, maybe there's bodily movements, but that feeling dissolves. And then you think you're fine, but then there's another wave of grief a week, a week later. It's mm. happened in stages, it doesn't happen all at once. So I think we have to cultivate a relationship with the feeling as not good or bad, but just to feel it fully. When mm. I say feel it fully, many times I have people telling me, but I felt the feeling and it just, I'm just, it never ends. It never, yeah. many times we think we're feeling the feeling. And here's the last thing I'll say about this. We think we're feeling the feeling, but mm. we're thinking about the feeling. Right. We're analyzing the feeling. Right. What's up with this feeling? Shouldn't feel this feeling. Why do I feel this feeling? What happened when I felt this feeling? We're thinking about the feeling, feeling some sense emotion, but we're not truly feeling the feeling. Right. And so to really feel the feeling requires that we take the label off. So Take, take the label off. Don't even call it grief or sadness or madness. Just tune into the sensation. The sense, every feeling has a sensation. Tune into the sensation of that feeling. Pure mm. energy. Mm. Tune into the sensation of that feeling in your body and be with that fully. Mm. Embrace that. Experience that sensation fully. And you'll find that when you can just be with that sensation fully with awareness, with presence, with intention, with consciousness, not resisting it, not pushing it away, not mm. judging it, not thinking about it, a layer of that feeling dissolves. Mm. And yeah. that's how we feel the feeling and begin to release the feeling, you know, and cultivate a relationship with the feeling. I think about that with anxiety, and I just really wanted to piggyback off that dead quick and say that, like, I think people confuse feelings with facts as well and the words i feel versus i am it's not a Uh, fact that you are lonely it's not a fact that you are anxious but we do try and mask though or box away those feelings of loneliness or anxiety whereas what you're saying is if we sit in them and be like i feel lonely i feel anxious and you surrender to it surrender you are going to come through it and not feel yeah you know yeah, and I think it's such an important thing you said. It's like, I'm not the anxiety. I'm not the guilt. I'm not the shame. There is this feeling. And I think when we can take the label off of even shame or guilt and just experience that feeling as an energy without a label, without a label of it's shame, it's guilt. So, okay, there's shame. Let me take the label off and just be with the sensation of this feeling in my body and let that move through. We can process it. 
and allow that layer to dissolve. Mm, I love that. You've definitely given us a lot of food for thought today, <laughs> Cute. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I know that you've got something coming up on May 7th. Yeah, just real quick, May the 7th, I'm doing a very, very special virtual live event. So wherever mm. you are around the world, you can jump on, tune in, hope to see you all there. Basically, uh, it's it's a free gift that I'm giving for those that purchase my Magic of Surrender paperback book. The, right. the, the, the Magic of Surrender came out last year. The paperback is coming out May the 3rd. And so if you pre-order the book on Amazon or wherever before mm -hmm. May the third, mm -hmm. uh, you get to attend the May 7th seminar for free as my guest, plus a whole bunch of other gifts. Just need to go to www.kootblackson, my name, K-U-T-E-B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N, kootblackson.com forward slash reinvent seminar. And uh, once you go there, enter your receipt info from your paperback book onto that website. There's a, there's a, uh, a link there, mm. and then you'll receive access to the May the 7th event. Oh, I love that. And is the event going to be talking more about the magic of surrender? The event, the, the, yeah, the, the event is going to cover some of the things I'm talking, but it's called Reinvent Life. And I'm going to really be sharing with people, how do you reinvent yourself, which requires surrender? How do you reinvent yourself given the last two years, given the times we're in? You see, the next level of your life requires the next level of you. The next level of you requires that you let go of who you've been surrender will cries that you let go of old stories belief systems identities but what we tend to do as human beings is we tend to hold on yeah. to the old yeah. to who we were out of safety comfort familiarity even if it's not working and so uh, the seminar is going to really help people uh, understand what it takes to let go of the past connect with their authentic nature and give their gifts with the world i'm going to also share the seven phases of reinventing oneself Oh, gosh. You see, now I'm going to have to buy the book again because I, re I keep showing it. <laughs> you, you, you get to come as my guest. <laughs> oh, I think this is all Thank great you. stuff. Thank you as well for like talking about all of this through the lens of mental health, which I know it yes. kind of goes without it saying, connects. but like it's just it's really helpful to to everybody listening awesome. for, for our awesome. platform. So Kiwi, Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Gabby back with you to sign off for one final time in season one at least of the My Possible Self podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for supporting us throughout season one of the podcast. And thanks again to Keith Blackson for, like I said in our conversation, giving us some real food for thought. Now, we are only taking a month break, so we're not going to be gone for too long. Episode one of season two of the My Possible Self podcast will drop on May 10th to coincide with World Mental Health Week. That was just actually a fluke because to us it's always World Mental Health Week, World Mental Health Day, because that's how much we care about your mental health and wellness. If you're not already following us on social media, we are at My Possible Self on Instagram and Twitter, and I've been at Radio Gabby. See you in a month, guys. Do take care and bye for now. <laughs>